0: Welcome to the house of the Lord. You may remain standing as we read the Scripture. Scripture is found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We return now to our study of King David, the man after God's own heart, the ideal king in Israel. This episode begins, chapter 6, verse 1, And David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahiah, the sons of Abinabedab, were driving the cart with the ark of God, and Ahiah went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were making merry before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and chastanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nakan, Uzziah put out his hand, to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error. He died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had burst forth against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez-Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told to King David, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when they had borne born the ark of the Lord, it had gone six steps. He sacrificed an ox and a fatted animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed, each to his house. And David returned to bless his household, but Macall, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of the servants' female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Macall, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house, to appoint me as the prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will make merry before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. The Word of the Lord. You may be seated. This is one of the great days in the life of Israel. King David had been established. He had been made king of Judah in Hebron where he had ruled for seven years. And then the men of Israel, the rest of the tribes, came and made him king. And David was established by the people as the single king over the United kingdom. This was all in fulfillment of what the Lord had promised at his anointing years earlier when he was just a shepherd boy. Now it had come to pass. David had moved forth in his conquest to conquer the ancient Jebusite citadel of Jerusalem. Especially that portion that constituted a stronghold with a steep wall and a high peak. It could be used as a watchtower and a stronghold. And David had moved into that Jebusite fortress, taking it over by force, and then beginning to build. And he had built houses in the city of David there by the stronghold fortress. He had brought his several wives to Jerusalem. He had had more children still. He had established there the strong city that God had told them way back in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 12, God says, When you go into the land, I'm going to show you a particular place. And that particular place is where I want you to establish the kingdom. And God had shown it to David, and David had conquered it. And he now possessed it. Not only that, David's enemy, the Moabites, the Philistines, and a few other assorted tribes that vexed him in his early years, and had vexed Saul and many other leaders in Israel. By one great demonstrative battle, victory after another, God had given the Philistines into his hands, and they were indeed, for the first time, a conquered enemy. David now dominated the whole country from Dan to Beersheba, from the river Jordan and beyond to the great sea militarily. This is a time of establishment. This is a time of victory. This is a time of certifying the gains that God has given Israel but there's something yet remains to be done. The ark of the Lord was still in the tabernacles. And the several shrines like at Shiloh and places like that. And the ark of the Lord, as we saw a lot of study on the ark of the Lord back in the fall when we looked at the life of Eli and Samuel, about how the the Lord worked with God's people in this wonderful little box, the Ark of the Covenant. It was about three by two and a half feet. It contained in it the Ten Commandments, thus representing the revelation of God, having A representation in God's people as a prophetic voice hearing from the true God, knowing His commandments, that they might walk in His statutes. This little box, the Ark of the Covenant, acacia wood overlaid with gold, had a royal function. It was considered to be the footstool of the throne of God. It carried kingly and royal power. It was the symbol of God's kingdom on earth. Not only prophetic power and royal power, but priestly power. It was this little box that was overlaid with gold that had a slab upon the top of it called the mercy seat. It was on this mercy seat that the high priest once a year would apply the blood of the sacrificial lamb for the atonement of the people. This was the covering, the kafar, the atonement of the people's sins before their Lord. This little box represented that priestly and sacrificial function as well. Pretty important little piece of furniture. Everything that God had given to His people by way of a mediator, a prophet, a priest, and king, was embodied in this little box. More importantly, and you'll need to grasp this right away, this little box was highly emblematic of Jesus Christ. It is Christ who is the true ark of the covenant, the true fulfillment of everything that the ark stood for by way of promise, Jesus accomplished by way of fulfillment. It was a very important piece of Israel's religious life. Saul hadn't cared too much about the ark had left it kind of where it was and didn't worry too much about it. There was a, still a pretty good remnant of the priesthood, the Levites, especially the high priest family that cared for the ark. But now King David says, we need to finally accomplish the establishment. It's not enough to have peace. It's not enough to have the stronghold capital of the kingdom. We need the Lord. We're not going to live in this city. We're not going to run this kingdom. We're not going to do this without the presence of the Lord being in our midst. So David determined that he would go get the ark from where he'd been resting and bring it to Jerusalem. And this was a great day. And in our particular text, it's kind of brief and it's almost like it was a spontaneous thing where David gathered together the mighty men, but actually the Scriptures tell us in the parallel account, which is in 1 Chronicles 13, 14, 15, 16, an expanded story of this event, that David had planned it quite a bit. In fact, he had gathered Israel from Egypt all the way up to the very northern part of the land. He had brought together the captains and the heads of the clans. And that's what this particular designation here, the 30,000, it is the chief people. This was a spiritual exercise. This was something David wanted them to understand. This is something David wanted them to embrace. This was a people movement. It wasn't just King David acting unilaterally. And the people embraced it. They were all for it and they proceeded immediately to go get the ark, to put it on a new cart, and to transport it back to Jerusalem, a distance probably of about a dozen, 14 miles. And on the way, even though it was attended by the high priestly sons, the family, the ark shook just a little bit appeared a little unstable because the oxen pulling the cart stumbled as they came upon the hard, high crust of a threshing floor along the trail. And one of the men reached out to steady it, and the Lord dropped him. And David was absolutely embarrassed, frustrated, angry. How can I bring the ark of the Lord to my city? But the Scripture also tells us that David feared. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, isn't it? David immediately went to school on how to handle the ark. They were just careless. They knew they weren't supposed to put that ark on a cart. That had been done before, remember? That ark had rings in it that various poles or staffs were to be laced through. And that ark was to be carried on the shoulders of the high priestly family. It was not to be drawn by oxen. Not only that, there was a ceremony when the ark was moved. There was to be sacrifice as it moved forward. There was to be sacrifice along the route. And above all, there was to be sacrifice when the ark found its new placement. All of this had been handled back in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. David went to school. And the text in Chronicles says that he put, that David had on a beautiful linen robe. He was dressed in regal splendor for the occasion. It was linen, which was the fabric of the ephod, the priestly garment. And David as king had stepped in to work now with the priest in going about the procedure of how they were to proceed in their bringing of the ark. The movement of the ark was not a transportation exercise. It was a spiritual discipline. Handling the holy things, and in this case, that which dwelled in the midst of the most holy place, the holy of holies, the ark of God. And there's a beautiful array in 1 Chronicles how David began to organize. And he went back to the priest and he determined who the families were and who the high priestly line was and what the various families were and began to see how Moses And Aaron had outlined everything and David put together in this interim period the organizational structure that was to be the worship of God in Jerusalem. Established by David and carried forth in all of its splendor by Solomon and never deviated from until the day that God destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. David set it in order by its courses. He made sure they had trained musicians that could play all of the various instruments of the orchestra, the percussion, the winds, the strings. And he put together a proper worship service. Every once in a while, we need to remind ourselves that we are not free to worship the Lord any old way we want to. We are to do only those things that God prescribes for us in His Word. Only those elements that He has ordered and He meets us and finds acceptable. And what's more, We are only to do those things in the way in which He prescribes them. We must be ever vigilant to make sure we worship the Lord according to His revelation, according to His desire. And that's what David did. David ordered the worship of the Lord. There's a lot of interesting study around this passage about ancient rituals of how you would bring the deity to the capital city so that the king could have the deity at his disposal. And in many ancient lands, the, the king was also the high priest of the deity. And I would like to submit to you that It's exactly the opposite in Israel. God had laid out His order and it was to be followed. And David was not corresponding to the ancient Canaanite and other ancient Near Eastern rituals, but was bringing about a unique ceremony, unique ritual in bringing the ark to Jerusalem. Well, we read in the story the things we need to read. The priests now are transporting it properly. Sacrifices are being made along the way. And there's one thing that's happening in the middle of all of this. And that's King David out in front of the procession is dancing mightily before the Lord. Here is a man whose testimony is that the Lord had delivered him out of every adversity. He owed the Lord everything. Here's a man, King David, who made one Mistake and one misstep, and committed one sin after another. But here was a man that knew the mercies of the Lord. He knew the long suffering, the tender forbearance of the Lord. And time and again, David would fall on his face before the Lord and make it right. Here was a man who had felt abandoned by the Lord in the days of running from King Saul. And yet he had felt the presence of the Lord. Here's a man... Much had been forgiven. The Lord had delivered him. The Lord had saved him. The Lord had guarded and protected him. Here's a man that'll say, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Here's a man that says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Here's a man that knew his God. He had known the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the wrath of God, the fury of God. And he had seen the hand of the Lord in the land of the living. Here's a man that said the Lord had brought him up out of a horrible pit and out of a miry clay. David had come to know the Lord. He'd come to know his God. And he couldn't help himself. With every ounce of his energy, with every strength, and all of his might, he took his young, athletic, strong, virile body and threw it into the worship of his God. He danced mightily before the Lord. In fact, there's a lot of study about the nature of this dance. It was a stomp. You would see David making great strides and his foot would stomp down and then another. Knees flying above his head. There was a Participation in the music. David was a musician. And he would take the lyre and just shred it. The tambourine. And it was a sight to see. Nobody, no priest, no pious priest, no informed prophet, And nobody in the royal family could hold a candle to David. David was absolutely beside himself out of his mind before the Lord in ecstatic worship. Throwing himself completely upon the Lord. There was not one Concern in his mind and in his heart that day of how he might look. He knew what it meant to be a powerful leader, to be a strong people person, to be a sensitive musician, but that was all under the thralldom of his love and his ad- admiration and his worship for his god if i may say this without being too irreverent david made a fool out of himself that day he looked like a fool and he certainly looked like a fool to the eye of the princess the queen the daughter of Saul, who along with her father Saul was never concerned about anything but the outward appearance. Not caring about the Lord nor the ark nor the name of God, but just how does it look? And David finished up that great procession as he brought the ark in with a great worship service. And the Scripture says he put the ark in a tent. And I want to suggest to you this morning that that tent was not the tabernacle. It was a tent that David had pitched right there in the city of David, right on Mount Zion right across from where the temple would eventually be built, of course, by King Solomon. But here's the ark of God representing Christ and Christ alone in a bare, simple tabernacle. Tabernacling among us was Christ Himself. And if you'll follow and trace it through, David would go into that tabernacle, into that tent... And he would sit before the Lord. And he would talk to the Lord. And then he would gather the musicians and the singers around and they would sing to the Lord. And I'd like to suggest to you that that's the origins of New Testament gospel worship. Void of all the trappings of the Mosaic system. And nothing but a tent Jesus Christ and an absolutely sold-out, devoted worshiper. That's what our worship ought to be. It ought to be you and your heart, what God has done for you, what Jesus has done for you, where He has brought you from, how He has lifted up, how He sustains you each day. You and your God alone in a tabernacle, in a tent, with exuberant, uninhibited worship before Him. Lying on your face in contrition. Standing with arms raised to the peaks of heaven. Prostrate before the Lord. Jumping up and down with joy and exuberance. And every tentacle of every emotion in your heart stimulated like the strings on the lyres moving with great energy and absolute sincerity. No one else in sight. No one else matters. It's not about anyone else. It's about you. You your heart before your God and Savior. That's the worshiping heart. And that's what David brought to Jerusalem that day. The joy of the Lord. And they even came to call it the sacrifice of praise. Oh, there was plenty of sacrificial animals and all of that continued intact to point to Christ as it should. But this is the moment you're looking for. This is the, the spirit you're aiming for. Have you ever worshipped the Lord in the beauty of His holiness? In private? Riding along in your car? Maybe in your bedroom? Maybe out somewhere in the countryside? Where it's been nobody but you and Jesus Christ. Your Savior, and you've poured out your heart to Him, and you've told Him how much you love Him, and you've sat there and let the bask and the glow of His forgiveness pour over you. Have you felt Him pick you up, dry your eyes, strengthen your heart, and strengthen your arms and legs, and send you forth on mission? Have you ever wanted to not leave that place? A true worshiping heart. I think the Bible says the Father seeks such to worship Him.